Jess Franco's Lady Werewolf Man. No, it's it's Lady Wolf Man. Lady Wolf Man. There we go. Oh, uh, I'm not sure that I've got the right movie here. She doesn't look like a werewolf at all, though. Hoopla! I didn't even put fur on her. Or yeah, she's, she's just just in a bikini. Just has six breasts. Yeah, there you go. I couldn't honestly tell you anything about the movie, having watched it. That's that sounds. Sounds about right. Yeah. Oh my. This is just. This is just whatever. Um, it's a thrilling f- horror film exploring government conspiracy and some secrets which are almost too horrifying to imagine. In other words, they didn't watch the movie. A sequel. That's too uh, horrifying which to one, imagine. Which, which one are you talking about? Now? Werewolf. Were, uh, Werewolf, twenty fifteen. Oh, it's got such an imaginative title. So, yeah. Its titles are so on the nose now, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Werewolf, vampire, ghost. The vampire. Yeah. The werewolf will be the sequel. And you're like, I don't know which one's which. <laughs> Lady Wolfman. The Lady Wolfman is the sequel. Bunch of teens hit by a hammer. Yeah. Uh, Bunch of teens hit by a hammer. I like that. That's a great name for a movie. I would uh, watch the hell out of that. I'm going to watch that. Watch uh. some of those teens get hit with a hammer. <laughs> yeah. What kind of hammer? <laughs> Hopefully a big one. So at, at the end of the movie, he has them strapped in, and, but they're at different octaves. Oh. So they, when he hits them with a hammer, it can play a tune. Mm. Like a xylophone of the damned. Yeah, and, he's, and he, he wears this Swedish chef costume. <laughs> it's really good. Xylophone of the damned was a Paul Nashy film. It was. <laughs> it had seven so other titles. <laughs> yeah. He claims to have been in it. Let's intro the thing. I thought we had been recording for about half an hour now. Eh, it's only two minutes and seven seconds, but you know, we'll edit that down to two minutes and three seconds. Okay. I think in Italy it's known as purple xylophone in a jaguar's eye. <laughs> yeah, it's got a color. That's the original An title. animal and a body part, right? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. Listeners, you're actually listening to <laughs> Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. This is a podcast where we friends get together all year round. And talk about a horror movie, which we will spoil. But first, we talk about Recently Watched, which we try not to spoil. Uh, we thank the Moonrays for giving us that song, Intro Creature Features, at the top of the show. You can find their music on Amazon or Apple Music, where you could buy it digitally, or say hello to them on Facebook, where they are the Moon-Rays. And we are not professional critics. We're just your hosts. I'm Richard. I'm here with Jolian. Good evening. And Will. Merry Christmas. It's the Devil's Christmas. It's Halloween. Yay. We're on All Hallows' Eve Eve recording this. Mm. And we're going to talk about some recently watched. We're going to do a quiz. 
and I'm sorry, uh, listeners, you don't get to win anything. We do. Uh, and then uh, we'll... But please, shout out the answers. Yes. Yes. If you know them. And, and anything... I've got a bunch of prizes here, and anything that they don't win, I'm going to stick in the free libraries around the neighborhood. So. Oh, good. So, uh, recently watched... Um, I've got way, it's an embarrassment of riches here because I did 31 days of Halloween. Mm. Do so it. So I'm not going to try. Go for and... it. Oh, please. <clears throat> Jump right in. We don't care. Okay. Name them all. Um, What'd you watch first? Well, the first one on my list, which these are in no particular order because I think I remembered some of them later and they're, some of them are out of sequence. Doesn't matter. Um, Dracula's Bride. I don't remember anything about this. <laughs> I watched it like 30 days ago. Dracula's Bride. Let's find out. I'll just uh, just plug that into the old Google here and see what... Uh... Also known as the Dracula's Bride. Yeah. All I can... All... <laughs> there was probably a Dracula in it? I think it was actually Dracula's Widow. Oh. I think I Dracula's wrote it down Widow. wrong. Let's Dracula's see. Widow. Yeah. Uh, yes, here we go. <clears throat> this one had uh, a Nicolas Cage relative in it, Mark Coppola. Hmm. Yeah. So um, the young owner of a waxworks in Hollywood receives five instead of six ordered chests with Romanian antiques. He does not know that Vanessa, widow of Count Dracula, sleeps in the sixth one. She rises in the night and walks around craving for blood. So on, so forth. Um, it's very stylized. It's not great but you'll pretty much be amused watching it <laughs> and i think they put that on the video box so when they're opening the crates of these two bumbling assistants and one of them opens it up it opens up behind him but he can't speak because he's so frightened mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah i've seen that one yeah. yeah um yeah there's a grandson of dr van helsing who's on the hunt so you get to see a bunch of 1980s stuff it's very colorful. Um, they do a lot of work with uh, colors of lights and directions of spots, so you get these dramatic shadows and stuff. It's it's cool. Um, uh, the writer-director, Christopher Coppola, originally wanted Isabella Rossellini to play Vanessa. Mm-hmm. But that's sure not, he did. That's not how it turned out. We all do. Yeah. yeah. Any movie. <laughs> Better grant. <laughs> At least we did back then. Um so I wrote it down wrong. Uh, let me just fix that on my list here so I don't mess that up. Um, so that one was uh, pretty interesting. I watched X, The Black Phone, Halloween Kills, Cemetery of Terror, uh, those I've talked about previously, mm-hmm. um, Werewolf 2015, which I'll talk about later, Halloween 4, because I haven't learned my lesson, <laughs> The Rental, if you've watched... Um, was that the British one? Uh, no. Yeah. This is an American one. About some people who show up in Airbnb, uh, the guy who is there to help them, let them in, whatever, is kind of loathsome. Hmm. Um, or at least he appears to be. I've not seen that one. Mm, yeah, then... Uh, I've heard of it. Yeah, there there seems to be something going on. Maybe some surveillance. Hmm. Maybe they're being stalked. <gasps> who knows? Too bad Airbnb is going under, because that's a great, you know, horror mine to... To go through and you know they're going under. Oh yeah, they're 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 not they're doing tan- well. They're tanking, huh? Is yeah, it barbarian about an Airbnb. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, I mean they're they're they haven't gone under, but people are sick of them and mm. people are charging way too much and 
asking too much of the uh, the occupant. Like yeah. mow the lawn while you're here. Yeah. Make sure you clean everything up and it doesn't look any different than when you walked in. Uh-huh. Let's see. So um, that that okay, that would be a good double feature, the rental and barbarian. Um I watched The Tingler Ooh, nice. on, on Sven Gulli. <laughs> so I got all the Sven Gulli perfect uh, commentary and observations and trivia. Um The Curse of Bridge Hollow is one of those fluffy kind of I don't know if it's a Disney thing, but it was on uh, Netflix. So we watched that. We watched that and also um, Hocus Pocus as the fluff. Mm. And I've re- I I think I have this um, false memory of having seen and disliked Hocus Pocus. Um, I hadn't seen it. So, or your mind had erased it. Or that. Uh, now, Mick Garris wrote it, which tells you why the story works at all. Um I, I don't know, man. It's just too fluffy for me. But. I, yeah, I do not like that movie. No, and people who equate that with, oh, it's Halloween, we're going to get this and we're going to do that and we're going to watch Hocus Pocus. What? That's <laughs> the best you could come up with? Hocus Pocus? No. Um, we're clearly watching Antrails of Beautiful Woman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Or Blood Feast? Or what is, what is Blood it? Harvest? Blood. We watch Blood Harvest and Blood Beat. Yes. Excellent. Um, so I watched Brahms, the boy too. Oh, oh, is he in the walls again? Oh, uh, Brahms, get out of the walls. There's some other crap. So no, but there's some other crap. I love that. That's a sh- sub genre now. Boys in the wall. Yeah. Yeah. And I could spoil other things by saying they're in the walls, but I'm not going to tell you. Um, there was a documentary called Cheap Thrills, those drive-in horror flicks. And you know, it's about what you'd expect. Now, the one that kind of surprised me, but it ruined itself early on, um, there's one called Fear Farm, spelled P-H-A-R-M. Okay. Which is a little on the nose and tells you a little too much already. It's, a, it's basically a Halloween corn maze movie where people are getting picked off and actually killed. Now, they tell you too much at the beginning of the movie. They actually have a little um, team meeting, the people who run the corn maze, to tell you what they're all about and what they're going to do, which is terrible because if you just left that out, you'd be wondering, oh my God, are these people actually being stalked or are the scares just a little too real? But even in spite of that, it kind of works anyway. I mean, the gore is pretty good. Fan edit. Yeah, this deserves a fan edit. Um I rewatched 28 Days Later. Nothing new to report there. It's still a great movie. Um, <laughs> Nothing changed. Right. Um, Hocus Pocus. I watched White Zombie. Ooh. Nothing changed there either. <laughs> no, not after all these years. Uh, one of the movies I'll talk about later, The Werewolf and the Yeti, which has like five or six other names. But that's the name under which you watched uh, I watched it. it. Uh, Scream, also known as Five Cream. Oh, the new one? The, Five The new Cream. one. I didn't, I mean, some people are hating on this. I liked it. Uh-huh. Hmm. I, I feel like um, there are a couple other Scream sequels that weren't as good as this one. I've not seen this Five Cream yet. Okay. Well, I, I say watch it. Uh, well, I, didn't, I can't watch it. I don't know what it's on. Oh, yeah. Some, uh, some, some service I don't get. It, it's on one of them you don't have? HBO Max. It might be on no, HBO. No, I've got that. Yeah. Maybe Hulu? Maybe. It's on Tubi already. Is it? Is it no. really? No. <laughs> I was like, what? No. Um, 
Grave Encounters. This is one of those, uh, it's found footage slash reality show thing where it's a bunch of ghost hunters that go in, get locked into Waverly or someplace and horrible stuff starts happening Mm. for real and things aren't what they seemed and they're not able to get out and time isn't moving like it should. And there's evidence of that being way off. Mm. Those can work. uh, Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. Not in this case. It <laughs> doesn't entirely. I mean, it, it it doesn't fall on its face, but it doesn't entirely work. And I can't put my finger on why. And I didn't finish it. I got about 20, 30 minutes, well, probably 20 minutes left on it. I know. That probably, you know, really it, sells the movie right there. You're yeah. just missing the twist at the end. Yeah, they're going to wrap it all up nicely. Men the were end. the real monsters. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a, a fictitious. It's true, you know. <laughs> it is. <laughs> There's a fictitious telling of uh, Edgar Allan Poe's life when he was still a cadet at West Point called Raven's Hollow. Ooh. Um, yeah. So that exists. Um, did he have a southern accent? I don't think he did. No? Oh. I don't think any of them did. Oh. But, you know, that's... Authentic, it's probably not. But dreary it is. <laughs> and it's got some spoo- you... spooky vibes to it. Did you ever see that one where uh, I think John Cusack was Poe running around trying to catch a serial yes. killer? Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> what was that called? The, the I raven, can't remember. Raven or something. Was yeah, it? it was the Raven or something. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh... <laughs> My brother had a couple of classmates. I think one that was in his grade and one that was older. Because um, I'm two grades. I was two grades behind my brother. Still um, are. They had, yeah, still am. I mean, in the, in the school of life. Uh, no, I, I've, I've exceeded him. <laughs> but uh, he had a couple of uh, classmates with the last name Poe. Mm. And I was told that they were um, descendants or Did they have cousins. screens in their stomachs and everything? <laughs> they did not. <laughs> they had wide foreheads and little mustaches, though. Oh. Yeah. So apparently, you know, they haven't bred that out of the Poe lineage. And a longing for lost Lenore. <laughs> One of them was a little crazy. You can tell their desk because it's got like Lenore in it. Scratched into <laughs> right. it. A bust of palace above the door. <laughs> <laughs> I think I could probably recite the whole thing. <laughs> One of them was a little crazy. So I kind of think maybe, maybe. They're prone to drinking and dying in the gutter. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Marrying um, their cousin. <laughs> yeah, that their thirteen-year-old cousin. Oh man, you're thinking of uh, Jerry Lee Lewis. He died this week. Yeah. Did you know he was still alive? No. I thought he had died twenty years ago. Yes. But no. Nope. Oh, and uh, I'll mention something else later too. Bride of Frankenstein. Watched that. Night of Living Dead. Of course, I what watched that. What about the Widow of Frankenstein? <laughs> Nobody ever talks about the Widow of Frankenstein, do they? No. No. Um, Extraordinary, which is a really funny comedy. If you like horror comedy, um, this one has, uh, oh my God. Um, what's his name? <laughs> one of the SNL alumnus, alumni. Uh, Chris Kattan. Nope. <laughs> that would have John made... Belushi. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> uh, Gilda Radner? No, not Will Arnett, but the other Will. Uh... Carol. No, there's a, that's Forte? right. Will Forte. It's uh, Will Forte, and uh, he's a washed-up pop singer 
who did like 70s easy listening pop and had one hit. Um, oh, God, what was it called? Like Supernatural Woman or something like that. And he is an evil Satanist who's trying to do some very evil stuff. And there's a woman who is um, uh, very clairvoyant, who's trying not to be clairvoyant and do the things. Uh, so she's a driving instructor. Mm-hmm. And okay. it, this all takes place in Ireland. It's pretty funny. So okay. Extraordinary is definitely a high point. I watched Plan 9 from Outer Space, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, Halloween 2. Did that change, Plan 9? No. Okay. And I deliberately Good. didn't watch the colorized one. Oh. Um, Orgy of the Dead, which I have over there on Blu-ray. Mm, uh, beautiful. Yeah, it's gorgeous and pointless. What <laughs> Halloween 2 did you watch? Yeah, oh, the original 1981 okay. Halloween 2, right. if I'm being clear. 2.1. Yes. <laughs> VHS 99, do not recommend. Oh. No, I'm mm. sorry. Didn't like it. Um, they, they all duds? Uh, no, not entirely, but it seems like if they'd thought about it a little more and written some different stuff, but no, that's If it not... had been better, I would have liked it more. <laughs> had it been better. <laughs> had it been better. Uh, Rocky Run... Horror Picture Show. Hey. I haven't watched that in a couple of years. I enjoyed rewatching that. That's a great one. I wonder how that plays today. Um, are there... people upset with that? They shouldn't be, but... No. Um, well, I, I know, uh... A very young lesbian couple who went all the way to Boulder from here in Denver to go see. Okay. A, I don't remember if it was at the Fox or the Boulder Theater, but they went all the way to go see Rocky Horror Picture Show in person. All right. At a theater where it's being projected. So I assume that the props and the audience response was going on. It has to. So if people in their early 20s are, are, going. are okay. still going, then maybe it hasn't. Um, hit such a uh, stumbling block with yeah I just wondered being problematic by today's standards yeah Yeah, I don't know yeah Yeah, I don't know what to say but that professor has no neck we don't stand for that (laughs) (laughs) Tim Curry acts with his face too much and we hate it Mm -hmm. he is like every single moment his face is on screen he's just Giving a hundred and something percent. Yeah, amazing. I think I watched that thing every weekend when I was about 13. Oh, man. My parents got it and we rented it every weekend and the video store finally gave us a copy. (laughs) They're just like, keep this. They're like, here, you're the only people who rent this. Alien, was it it Aliens was the other one? Which was the one you rented so many times? They They gave me, uh, oh, Crumb. They gave me that one. Nice. Documentary on our Crumb. Yeah. Because I was the only one who ever rented it. (laughs) (laughs) You were that town's closest thing to our Crumb, weren't you? Yeah. I had someone come up to me once and ask me about the t-shirt I had. That's what they gave me. They didn't give me the movie. They gave me the t-shirt because I had rented it. Oh, they had a promo t-shirt from it? Yeah. Nice. And the guy comes up to me. He's like, sorry to bother you. Just out of the blue. He's like, what is the t-shirt? I'm like, oh, it's our crumb. And he's like, thank you. I've had that for like a year. Nobody knows what that is. Oh, wow. I'm like, okay. So he had the same shirt? He had the same shirt, but he didn't know what it was for. He's like, I just thought I didn't have any, just had a picture on it. So I was in a uh, thrift store in Spokane, Washington, and I saw this kind of light blue shirt with a obviously 
like homemade screen print on it that said Madonna stock 2000. And I'm thinking, is this like a, like a tribute band, you know, like festival for Madonna imitators. And I don't know what it is, but it seems really like cool and irreverent. So I bought it for a dollar, dollar 50 or whatever. And I was wearing it on like casual Friday or whatever, when you could wear jeans and t-shirts at this stupid cubicle job I had. And this guy comes up to me in the break room, guy who I worked with, who I knew. And he goes, Oh, did you, uh, used to go to Gonzaga? I was like, no, why? And he goes, Oh, cause you're wearing Madonna stock. Apparently the women's dorm is Madonna hall. Oh. And when they throw the big party, it's called Madonna stock. Oh, okay. So I had no clue. I thought I was, <laughs> so I kind of want to redraw the art to where there's a bunch of very like stick figure looking people. And it's like different eras of Madonna's mm-hmm. incarnations. Um, you know, yeah, that, that would be more interesting to me. Madonna yeah. stock. Yeah. I, I liked it better when it was the thing I imagined I thought it, was it was like beef stock, but oh. <laughs> only really wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you really render Madonna down, you know. Uh, so I watched Barbarian, and then most recently, which was last night, I watched... Uh, what did you think of Barbarian? I want to circle back to that one, but okay. uh, Aftermath was the other one I watched. Aftermath? Now, I admit no. that series was pretty <laughs> terrible, but does it fulfill a Halloween pick? No, Aftermath. Or is Ooh, Aftermath I think, class? Yeah, I think in the UK they call it Aftermaths. It's more proper <laughs> if you think about it. Right. Um, this one is about a couple who is having some troubles and they decide as part of maybe how they're going to fix things up is to buy a bigger house and kind of start over because one of them had an affair and that's awful. And then they just, um, reckoned they would, uh, you know, kind of wipe the slate clean and start over, but then weird stuff starts happening in the new house and you're not sure why, but his job in addition to being a student, his job is cleaning up crime scenes, and he knows that this place had a murder-suicide that happened in it because he cleaned it up. So he got this, the house for kind of cheap, and like I said, weird things start happening. So there's that. Um, but Barbarian, okay, this one, this this definitely deserves... No for, spoilers, though, No, 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 I, w- I will not. I will not spoil it. So, Will, you told me... Oh, you texted me. You're like, watch this thing. Yeah, I sat down and I had seen earlier that Barbarian was on HBO Max. So I st- newly dropped. Yeah, so Just I sat dropped. down to look at it, and I was gonna put it on my list, and then I was like, "Fuck it, just watch the thing. Don't put it on the list and then forget about it." And yeah, right after I was texting you guys. <laughs> yeah. So. Wow. This one is very different from most, I mean, it's got some elements of other movies we've seen, but the combination of stuff it does as a movie isn't like anything else. No. And you don't know where it's going. Or why. Or why. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. It's just, it's a real trip. (laughs) Yeah. You're not sure the intentions of some of the characters. Did you recognize the Skarsgård? Yeah. Okay. Because I'm trying to place his kind of slightly derpy face i'm like why do i know this guy i what did was the same in? thing for a long time yeah. and then i was like oh he's pennywise in the new it uh-huh. movies pound foolish is my clown killer clown character <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah that one we will have to cover that mm-hmm. in a future episode 
Yeah. That's my 31 days of Halloween. I, I don't know how many was on the list. I just reached either, either I'm just shy or just past 31 movies. Um, some good, some bad, some in between. Um, I didn't know at first I was going to do this, but I decided to go and do it one more time. Yeah. And I'm glad I did. I watched some stuff. <laughs> yeah, I should have done 31 for 31 or whatever. It's not easy. No, it's really hard. Yeah, there's some times where it's like it's a little late in the evening to start the movie or if you start it too early, other things interrupt it. Yeah. It's just not always ideal. But I'm a night owl, so I can usually stay up late enough to finish a movie. But if it deserves your undivided attention, that's another story. Yeah. So enough about me. Jolien, what did you watch? Uh, I finished the Final Destination series. Hmm. So we watched uh, Final Destination 3 from 2006, directed by James Wong. Uh, more of the same, uh, but Tony Todd is just uh, just has his voice. You know, he, he, uh, he's this fairground devil and a train announcer. Oh, nice. Um, but the the kills, the, the main one, you know, they always have the set piece at the start. So this one, it's the roller coaster one. Okay. Um, I thought it was the, um, it was beyond the effects of the day. The, mm. They had to work around not being able to do things that yeah. they wanted to, um, with the, especially the digital effects. Um, so that was a little disappointing, but the, um, uh, you know, I found a lot of the editing and the camera placement was a fraction off. It didn't, hmm. it, by the time you figured out what happened, the impact was gone. Mm. Um, I thought the uh, the uh, the one that everyone remembers from this is the tanning bed deaths. Yes, that was which good. I've seen in other movies. Yeah, it's good nightmare stuff. Yeah, um, for someone who's never going to get into a tanning bed, it's still yeah. scary. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> um, let's see, uh, and you got Mary Elizabeth Winstead in it, who was in the Thing prequel and Ten Cloverfield Lane. Yeah. And um, the final destination, which is the name of the fourth one. The final, final destination. Uh, and this time we mean it. <laughs> this has got the weakest opener. It's this racetrack one. And again, they rely on lots of di digital effects that don't land. Um, but it, uh, that scene makes you look forward to the uh, the racist character getting his. And it's good. Mm, good. <laughs> um, most of the kills... Uh, see... Um, yeah, most of the kills in this in in part four and five are down to the working class not doing their due diligence. Mm -hmm. You know, they've all just suddenly the union's taken off lunch. No one, you know, everyone just abandons their tools. <laughs> Everything's just lying around, and then someone wanders in and gets novelled. Um, yeah, so it's got this kind of weird like anti-working class thing going on. Um, the standout in the fourth one is this. Uh, gag with a gas tank um you'll know what i'm talking about if you've seen it um pretty sure i haven't the, uh I, I found the fourth one cheats a bit with the uh, movement of objects and other ones you know you, a breeze catches something mm -hmm. something spills yeah but this one objects just get up and move you know <laughs> <laughs> you practically grow legs and sing a little song you know uh but anyway uh final Des destination five uh, Tony Todd is back. He plays the coroner. Um, this adds the wrinkle of su survivors turning on each other because of what he tells them. So he's mm. not just like 
saying what's going to happen to them. He's actually influencing how they're going to behave and how they're going to react to it, which I thought was good um, variation. Um, the opener in this one is this spectacular scene on this bridge. Um, and all the kills are good in this one. There's this one in a gymnasium. Have you seen this one? I have not seen no. uh, Oh, there's this one in the gymnasium that just makes you go, ooh, good. Um, <laughs> there's, uh, yeah, there's this acupuncture death. There's this ooh. LASIK death. Ooh. Oh, they're gnarly. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I really like the fifth one. All right. Um, let's see. Uh, the most dangerous man in the world. Uh, this is from the early 60s. This is about a gangster who's bent on revenge who stumbles into a bomb test site. So, um, and then he absorbs the surface that he's touching. So, <laughs> guess who was watching this movie hmm. back in the early 60s? Huh. Um, yeah, and you'll love the modern interiors and tiki murals. Mm. Oh, nice. Uh, and then uh, Emily wanted to see some of the J-horror stuff from the late, 90s early 2000s so we watched shikoku uzumaki pulse um so uh yeah i mean you'll know all those mm -hmm. uh watched a regional one called oh. uh terror in the swamp from 1985 Ooh, okay i've not so, seen this one I don't think. uh yeah i thought it was going to be a like a skunk ape movie is this the one with a gorgeous poster art but it sucks <laughs> Like like most of them. Does that narrow it down at all? <laughs> uh, this is directed by Joe Catalanotto, and this is a skunk ape in the Louis in Louisiana. Turned out to be something else. Hmm. Um, the pleasures of regional horror. So for number one, you get body types and accents which are normally relegated to comedy supporting cast or villains. Uh huh. But they're the heroes. Yep. Uh, two, you get a bunch of people who have never acted before and ain't going to start now. No. Three, if somebody has a joke to tell, the film's going to stop and let them tell it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, Grind it to a halt. So that, you know, there's always excitement about this monster in the swamps and, uh, and they're all, you know, the posse's getting together and everyone's panicking, but then someone's got this joke to tell. So everyone stops. And then they go, uh, you know why I don't go hunting elephants? Can't fit the decoys in the boat. Oh, nice. Oh, man. Except they've got this Louisiana accent, so it's much it's way better. But if you kill an elephant, um, how do you eat an elephant? How do you eat an elephant, Bridget? One bite at a time. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> yes. How, how do you know an elephant's been in your fridge? Oh, uh, there's footprints in the jelly. That's right. <laughs> uh, All right. Um, shall we tell more elephant jokes? Yeah. What's the I best way anything. for an elephant to hide in a cherry tree? Paint, paint the toenails red. Oh, what's yeah. the loudest sound in the jungle? Uh, I don't know. Giraffe eating cherries. Ooh. <laughs> uh, see. Um, so anyway, uh, Terror in the Swamp has got some uh, actually some good uh, camera work now and then. Um, you know, the blocking is thoughtful. Um, photography, you know, some of the landscape photography is very nice. Um, I enjoyed it. All right. I'll have to check yeah, it out. Yeah, Terror in the Swamp, check it out. Uh, what did I see it on? Probably Prime or something. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, yeah. We'll get to the uh, 
this is one of the worst movies I've probably the worst movie I've seen this year because there's no excuse for it. I've seen really low budget movies which are terrible. This one, uh, no excuse. Okay. Thor, Love and Thunder. Oh, my God. It was that bad? Have you seen it? I have not mm, seen it. No. Okay, so this is... I was excited to see it, and then... Yeah, I was excited. Nobody so seemed to like it, I, and I, I just kind of... I really liked Ragnarok. Same... Oh, it was great. Same people. Yeah. Um, yeah, this. Uh, I thought... Um, yeah, Phase 4 Marvel. I was thinking it was like the Abbott and Costello stage of Marvel movies, and it was just... It was just self-parody yeah um but i i think it's just the generally smug poorly written um i think they've torpedoed the fantastic four movie already oh shit <laughs> and it won't come out for a year or two. Oh man yeah i think by the time they get there these they're, they're just digging themselves into the ground um so we're not going to get a good, good fantastic four movie we're never going to get a good fantastic four movie um yeah, it's uh, it's just the script is just terrible. Um, they're into multiverses. Um, I hate multiverses. Yeah, it's just it works in a comic kind of. Yeah, but a movie, it's just it destroys all the tension because right. you can just pull a new. Well, it renders everything that went before nonsense. Yeah. Uh, how does this work with everything they had to go through to kill off Thanos? Yeah, it just it's just uh, just doesn't make sense, and and none of the characters are you know treated well, decently and logically. So, so it suffers from what the Halloween franchise has done a few times now, which is to say, no, 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 that stuff all never happened. <laughs> now it's this. Well, it doesn't. They they're not saying everything that happened before didn't happen, but if you think about what happened before, um, on in this movie you've got this whole you know, every pantheon of God is in yeah. this movie, but where were they before? Yeah, for example, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's always endless possibilities, always all the multiverses, which several characters are aware of. Uh huh. And uh, did nothing about it, not mentioned before. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And there's just no excuse for it. It's just really bad writing. Hmm. Yeah, I realized uh, the other day I have not seen a Marvel movie since Endgame. Yeah, yeah, don't. don't. Because none of them look terribly good. No. I might watch She-Hulk, but... Yeah, we might see the Wakanda forever, but... That one I, I might see, too, just to see what they do, since yeah. Chadwick Boseman's not in it, mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Wolf by Night. but I've heard that's interesting. But yeah, the other thing is I'm not able to see most of their stories yeah, that's, now. Yeah, I'm not paying for H- or Disney+. Plus. No. They don't need any more of my money. <laughs> and if werewolf movies don't have five additional titles, I don't want to yeah. watch them <laughs> now that I've seen Paul Nash's <laughs> films. Um, okay, I saw. Uh, I watched loads of vampire films. Um, watched uh, the Night Flyer from nineteen ninety seven. Ah, I've seen that. Yeah, so this is a Stephen King adaptation. Uh, it's from a Stephen King story from nineteen eighty eight. Uh, you got Miguel Ferrer as Richard Dees, and he's this reporter for this shock tabloid. Um, Michael Moss as Dwight Renfield. Mm. 
who is apparently this vampire who's got this his he's got his small plane he flies into little regional airports slaughters everyone and then goes off somewhere else and, um so, uh you got uh julie entwistle was Catherine blair who's a fellow reporter and uh it, it, you know he's got um great performances um like miguel ferrer is and he's He's so good at playing this hateful oh, yeah. human being. Yeah. Any, anyone who watched Twin Peaks knows him as Albert. Yeah. The forensics guy they bring in. He's just loathsome. Oh, he's so bad. I mean, you, you, you imagine he must be a really nice guy in real life because he's so oh. good at playing horrible, horrible people. Yeah. You know, you know, and I think about the family he comes from. I mean, uh, Jose Ferrer was his dad, but he's George Clooney's cousin. Was he? I, yeah. I thought they weren't related. I'm pretty sure they were, um, but wow. I do know he's George Clooney's cousin, uh, and it's a, just like a little genetic roll of the dice there. <laughs> yeah, on this is this has got a really impressive ending. You know, here, I'll, I'll research that real quick here to make sure I'm not just talking about everything. Oh. It's uh, yeah, I seem to remember it. Yeah, it's a neat little film. Um, yeah. And then I watched um, uh, Shudder. They have the um, uh, Queer for Fear series, oh, yeah. so it's like four parts, uh, history of queer horror um so the first episode is uh mary shelley oscar wilde bram stoker um then second episode is james whale alfred hitchcock third episode is uh shapeshifters so you've got werewolves cat people um teenage monsters body snatchers um and then the fourth one is uh uh women so lesbian vampires uh, 1940s ghost films, uh, Lair of the White Worm, 90s films like Vamp, um, you know, films about the obliteration of identity, how how the uh, <clears throat> the lesbian vampire trope turned into like the femme fatale in the 90s. So you have mm-hmm. Basic Instinct and Single White Female, Mulholland Drive, Heavenly Creatures, Bound. Right. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, uh, you know, I didn't really learn much, but it's a good, good yeah. just a talking head documentary mm-hmm. series. It's an enjoyable watch. Um, yeah, so that was that. Okay, quick interruption here. Uh, yes, Jose Ferrer was the dad. Rosemary Clooney was the mom. Oh. Yeah, so uh, two famous parents. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, um... And so, yeah, that George Clooney would be his cousin. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Miguel was a uh, son of uh, Academy Award winning Puerto Rican actor Jose Ferrer and famous singer Rosemary Clooney. Oh, okay. I'm confusing him with Miguel Ferrer, aren't I? Yeah. 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 So, Miguel, yeah, Twin Peaks. <laughs> All right. Is that it? And RoboCop. Yes, <laughs> RoboCop. Oh, oh man. <laughs> He's great in RoboCop. Oh, yeah. He's so sleazy. Yeah. Everybody's great in RoboCop. RoboCop's great. <laughs> Kurtwood Smith, who everyone knows as Red Foreman from that 70s show. No, he'll always be uh, whatever Clive t- Bartaker or whatever, Bartaker <laughs> from... Uh, 
from RoboCop. Yeah. I Even mean, when I watched the 70s show, he was always that guy. Kept waiting for him to smash that kid's head into the table or something. <laughs> and then tell the girls, bitches, leave. <laughs> God. Uh, Will. Yes. What you watched? I watched uh, Barbarian, mm-hmm. as I mentioned. Yeah. Hated it. <laughs> no, uh, I've seen, I think, four new horror movies, meaning this released this year. Nope, X, uh, Men, and Barbarian. And everyone I watch, I think, is better than the last. Mm. And I'm thinking, like, poor Nope's getting lost back there cause, <laughs> just because I saw it first. Right. What what a crazy year for horror, right? Yeah. And I heard Pearl is just mm. incredible, so. I'm hearing good things, too. I'm I'm excited. Yeah. You know. But, yeah, uh, the blurb on HBO Max for Barbarian, the bottom says something like, watch it before your friend spoils it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, okay, fine. Yeah. And I'm certainly glad I did. And we're being really good about not spoiling it for Jolien. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to spoil it because it is, it is one of those you have to go in totally cold. Right. You know, or as cold as possible. Will do. I told two of the women at work that there's something up on HBO Max if they want to watch something scary. Here's the name of it. Don't watch the preview. Don't watch the trailer. Yeah, don't watch anything because it does not go where you think it's going to go at any point. No. <laughs> And when it starts heading down a direction, it switches on you. Yeah, it's you great. think, oh, okay. Because of the little blur, <laughs> you know, being spoiled, you automatically, or at least I do, I start thinking, like, what's the twist? What's the twist? And every time I thought I had it, <laughs> I was way off. <laughs> Isn't uh, it nice to be fooled like that, though? It is. Like, they can still get you. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, I think the, <clears throat> the first third of the movie or so is just super tense and sort of unpleasant to watch because it's so like oh when's it gonna happen when's something awful gonna happen yeah when is this icky thing that you know the other shoe is waiting to drop yeah when is it and how bad is it gonna be right but that's part of the fun of horror movies yes yeah i love going in where you're like oh i don't know if i really want to watch this yeah this may be something i don't want to see so rare now and then you, you watch it and you're like, oh, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> a couple of eyes got poked out and somebody got their head run over. <laughs> yeah, so what? So what? It's Thursday. Uh, and then uh, steadily down from there, I watched something called, also 2022, called Terror Trips or Trip. I don't remember, and I didn't bother to look it back up. I think I read the description on this one and had not watched it yet. What happens in it? This is a... Uh, Movie location tourism? Yes. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, some guys get a, a group of friends, get the plan to start having like, a, you know, horror location trips. You go visit where they filmed Camp or Crystal Lake and uh, and then they show the movie at the end, you know, at night. Uh, it's actually not a bad idea. Right. Uh, this is a movie that... If it had money and maybe a couple rewrites, mm-hmm. could have been something. Mm-hmm. Um, but as it is, it's it's just the only. Th- I kept I kept watching it, even though it wasn't good, and I didn't particularly like it <laughs> at any point. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
just to see, well, did they finish this? Because that's about all I could appreciate was, you know, admire the fact that these kids got together and made a movie. Made a complete movie. It looks okay. The story's all right. There's a kind of stupid twist at the end that doesn't really do anything. But, uh, yeah, all in all, unless you've watched everything else, <laughs> right? I wouldn't watch it. Uh, <clears throat> watch TV series, uh, Harley Quinn Season 3. Um, it's pretty good. Check it out if you like Dis- or, uh, DC cartoons, which I don't normally, but Harley Quinn's a... Uh, uh, it's kind of a adult take on DC Comics. Mm-hmm. There's a Legion of Dildos. That's all I'm going to say in this series. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, then I watched Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Don't get excited. It's not the 1962 oh. version. <laughs> no. No. Tubi. I believe it was mm. Tubi. Has... The 1991 TV movie starring Vanessa and Lynn Redgrave. So they fixed everything that was wrong oh, with the original. everything. It's in color. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, oof. Do they do the song? No. Do they? No, I don't believe they ever oh, do they, the they, song. They corrected that as well. Yeah. I, I think she sings... She tries to sing the song at some point, and her voice has changed too much, so they have her lip-syncing it from when, when she was a kid. Okay. Which is kind of creepy. She's a little creepier than uh, Betty Davis was. Uh, she's a little more, uh, like, broken doll, uh, you know, uh, arrested development kind of thing. She's still stuck as a as a child mm-hmm. um but yeah not not worth it okay uh and then i watched a a regional horror movie although i can't tell you where it took place because i forgot to write it down uh from 1975 called frozen screen oh yeah this was a video nasty um supposedly it was on the list but not, nothing ever came of it so i don't know that they got around to reviewing it because it's not uh, it's pretty tame. We'll mm-hmm. say uh, there's some nudity. I think that's okay. That's probably it. There's a long party slash disco scene that's obviously just there for padding. Mm-hmm. Uh, destroys the whole mood of the movie. Basically, it starts out as a cult movie, and you think these people are, you know, hunting this couple, these cult members, and so you think, oh, it's a cult movie. And then it switches it up and it becomes uh, a kind of zombie movie. And you're like, okay, where are they going with this? And then it turns out that there's a mad scientist who is making frozen zombies who are then killing people. And that's about it. Hmm. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, it's woof. It's something else. I've seen that. I can't, I'm not sure if I've seen that. I think it was on uh, Tubi, probably. I've, I've been going through Tubi again. They, Excellent. They've got some real winners. Yes. They have a... Uh, I think uh, that's where I saw Terror in the Swamp. Uh, oh, what was the Jamie Lee Curtis uh, train film we watched? Terror Train. Terror train? Mm-hmm. Yes, they have a remake of that. <gasps> and I'm like, mm, i got to watch that. <laughs> Terror Train's really good. Let's see how bad it could be. Wow. So, And that's it for me. 
Uh, I know I watched other stuff, but I didn't write it down, so it's okay. lost to time. <laughs> <clears throat> so, Jolian, you've got a quiz ready for us. Yes. It's the Halloween quiz 2022. Yes. So I have a pile of videos here. So I have uh, questions related to each of the movies. Okay. If you get a question right, you get the movie. All right. All simple right. enough. If you don't, a free you... library gets it. Awesome. Because Ziggy's not here, so she's not the dumpster for your <laughs> poor answers. <laughs> for our ignorance. All right. Clues are in the questions. Okay. Are you ready? Ooh. All right. First up, Ulysses. This is the 1950s movie. Kirk Douglas mm. kicked off the peplum boom. Uh, which Italian director, better known for the first Giallo, directed Hercules and the Haunted World? Um, from 1961. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. All right. We have the 1930s film, Things to Come. Oh! <laughs> this is an old DVD of it. Um, Criterion brought it out on Blu-ray. Oh, nice. uh, anyway, based on a book by Herbert George Wells, which Wells-based film starring Ida Lupino featured giant rats, a giant maggot, and a giant chicken? Food of the gods. Yeah. Oh, the giant chicken gave it away. All right, so I've got the Wolfman DVD set, the complete <laughs> legacy collection. Uh, so I've got three questions. Okay, let's hear them. What's the name of the character played by Bela Lugosi in The Wolfman? Ooh, uh, Bela. Yes. Ah. Oh. <laughs> uh, the Wolfman is set in Llanwelly, Wales, but where does Frankenstein meet the Wolfman? Is it A. Viseria, B. Jerusalem's Lot, or C. Bedrock? Oh, A. Yes. Which universal horror character is strangely absent? From the House of Frankenstein, is it the Wolfman, a Hunchback, Count Dracula, or Frankenstein? The Hunchback. Uh, Dracula? Frankenstein. Oh. Oh, that is conspicuous, isn't it? Well, okay. I guess that's a freebie. Yep. That's a freebie. That's a it... Christmas present for somebody. Yeah, and I don't need that one because I have it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Do you want it? <laughs> sure. Um, what was the sequel... To the Quatermass experiment. Uh, oh, Quatermass in the pit. Uh, Direct sequel. Okay. <laughs> Quatermass experiment two. Uh, Tokyo Drift. <laughs> I can't remember. Quatermass two. Just Quatermass two? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not very original. Well, it was gone with it the was back in the day. <laughs> yeah, just put the in front of it. Or if it had the, then, then lop, remove it. Yeah. yeah, lop that off. All right. Ring. Ring. What is the name of the ghost girl in Ring? Is it A. Crown Shinchan, B. Sadako, or C. Kayako? Hmm, I think it's Kayako. Yeah, I think so. C? No, B. So like oh, a yeah. is John. Damn it. Oh. All right. Ring 2 is a sequel to <clears throat> Ring. Mm. Which pop group's debut album was called Ring Ring? <laughs> oh, that's a great question. Is it related to the movie? 
No. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> Although it'd be awesome if it was. Shown <laughs> a mm. knife. I don't Abba. Abba. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't have any working knowledge of the early career of Abba. Or the later career, or the middle part. Well, <laughs> any of those, really. That's your losses, isn't it? It yes. is. It really is. I do enjoy them when I hear them, though. I love yeah. them. They're gods. Um, ghost Story. Mm. The ghost in Ghost Story is played by Alice Krieg. In which 2022 film does she play orphanage owner Virginia Ginny McCumber? A Orphan 2? More orphaning? <laughs> the orphaning. The, nun, the orphaning. The nun six? <laughs> I mean, how many nun movies are there now? Uh, yeah. I... Orphanage owner, Virginia Ginny McCumber. We've all seen it. What? Uh, 2022. Something we... This X? Nope. <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, okay. who can remember that piece of crap? <laughs> the Blob, nineteen eighty-eight. Yeah. Yay. Directed by Chuck Russell, who directed which Elm Street entry the previous year? Oh wait a minute! What year did you say this thing was? Nineteen eighty-eight. Oh okay. Um, it was the Dream Warrior. Yes. Yes. Oh. A Nightmare on Elm Street three. three. Dream Warriors. Awesome. I needed this blob movie. All right, here's a classic. The Night of the Hunter is the only film directed Ooh. by Charles Lawton. Hmm. Which horror character did he play in 1939? Ooh. Uh, 1939. Let's see. I can't think of the name. The Invisible Man. No. <laughs> I'm just th- I'm just throwing something out there. Uh, Gotta throw a wrong answer out there. Sure. Uh, bride of Dracula. <laughs> he played the bride. Uh, and Dracula. It was a one-man show. Yeah, very diverse. He painted one half of his face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just turned side to side. He was, he was married to Elsa Lanchester. Oh. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. They, they were bid for each other. Yes, they were. There was a speaking, yeah. They were, they were uh, anyway, uh, yeah, he was in the definitive version of The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, Quasimodo. duh. Um, all right. Which I don't know that I've seen. That might be a blind spot for me. Okay. Yeah, I've seen the silent one, but. Mad Max. Uh, Mad Max director George Miller mm-hmm. also directed for a film. In which John Lithgow is a passenger on a plane. Name that movie. Twilight, Twilight Zone, the movie. Yes. I think you chimed in before I did. Okay. Thank you. Excellent. All right. Uh, Alfred Hitchcock, Rich and Strange. Rich and Strange is a quote from William Shakespeare's The Tempest, which 1956 film is based on this play. Ah, oh, The Forbidden Planet. Yes. Wow. I almost said this island earth, but just got that one on Blu-ray. Right. Oh yeah? Yep. Oh the Forbidden Planet? Yeah, the oh, uh, no, no no, this island earth. This island yeah. earth. Yeah, the restoration it's of gorgeous. it. Gorgeous. Alfred Hitchcock number 17 uh, is not the sequel to Hitchcock's number 16 <laughs> uncompleted theatrical debut. You could say uncompleted or unluckier theatrical debut. Name that movie. Um, 13. Nice. Number 13. Number 13. Yeah. It was a direct sequel. 
All so right. Four numbers later. You're crushing it, Will. 633 Squadron. The climax of 633 Squadron was edited in to a rough cut of which 1976. Star. Star. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, man. The dog fights, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Neanderthal Man or Neanderthal. <laughs> Depending on if who you, you ask. the sort of person who says Neanderthal. Mm-hmm. Ne- the Neanderthal Man features a character named Harkness. Another 1950s caveman movie featured another name used in Marvel Comics in the 1960s, Dr. Don Blake. Name that movie. Hmm. What year did it come out? Uh, the, the movie we're supposed to guess. Do you know? 57. Okay. It's... Um, Teenage Caveman. No. It's a Jack Arnold film. The correct answer we were looking for was I was a teenage caveman. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> Mineral Brown poster. Don't, I got nothing. Yeah. Monster on the campus. I'd Ooh, see, I don't, I've not seen that. I don't, yeah, I don't know that one at all. Oh, good poster. Check it out. All right, Rouge. Beautiful film. Mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, Criterion just brought it out in blue. Um, stars Anita Moy, who appeared in The Heroic Trio with two other Hong Kong movie divas. Maggie Chung and Ooh. Michelle Yeoh. Yes. Oh, excellent. Wow. Enjoy. Uh, House that was of... just a shot in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> well, I knew that like, asking you to name Hong Kong divas. And... Yeah. 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 I'd probably name Michelle Yeoh anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, have you seen everything everywhere? No, I need oh, to see just, that one. Just watched yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, you liked it? Fantastic. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I've heard yeah, nothing but good things. Yeah, about one of my favorites of the year. Yeah, I was watching Jamie Lee Curtis for a long time before I realized oh, it was yes. her. Yeah. Wow. That's what I've so heard from good. a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. God, yeah. yeah. Emily was right. like, is that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. The House of Wax uh, stars Vincent Price and Carolyn Jones and Charles Bakinski, who changed his name the following year to what? Charles Bronson. Yes. Oh. Hey. All right. Uh, Doctor Strangelove. The Sterling Hayden character in Doctor Strangelove is named after which serial killer? Um, Starkweather? <laughs> Sterling Hayden. I know who Sterling Hayden is, but what is his character's name? He plays a general. Ripper. Yes. Ah. He's, he plays General Jack D. Ripper. That's right. <laughs> Jack D. Ripper. All right. Uh, Daughters of Darkness. Delf- Delphine Seyrig, star of Daughters of Darkness, was a member of Le Club des Bandes Désignées, along with Alain René and Jean-Claude Forrest, who created which space sex comic in 1962? Barbarella? Yes. <laughs> yes. Somebody's redoing Barbarella. Yeah, yeah. I hope it's good. good. I mean, otherwise, don't redo it. I'll just rewatch. I mean, the original movie's not that good. No, it's no. terrible, but... Oh, then make a good one. Yeah, I, I love the comic. Yeah, I don't have any really clear memories of watching the whole movie. <clears throat> I always assume stuff like that is dated, because it is. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's one Jane of those... Fonda's hot, and that's, <laughs> yeah. that's the only reason it's to watch that movie. Great poster, she... funny song. Uh-huh. Skimpy costumes. Uh, character uh, named Duran Duran. I was going to yes. say trivia there. <laughs> the villain, yeah. Yeah, but I, it's just one of those campy, you know, aren't comic books 
silly. Stupid. Yeah. All right. Um, Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger. Um, Eye of the Tiger. <laughs> the year before he was in Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger, 1977, Patrick Troughton was not spared the rod in which major horror movie? Hmm. What year? The year before he was in Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger, 1977. Okay. Patrick Troughton was not spared the rod in which major horror movie? The Jaws. Album? Yes. Okay. Oh, the rod. Okay, like, duh. Jaws. Well, you know, <coughs> just throwing ideas out here. Different rod. Yeah. Um, all right. Rod Steiger. Phantom right? of the Opera, 1998, the Dario Argento version. Hmm. The director of cinematography on Phantom of the Opera, Ronnie Taylor, worked on three or four other films inspired by the Phantom story, including another Dario Argento film. Name that movie. Opera? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, I've got a lot of movies now. you got a lot to watch, Will. All right, Curse of the Faceless Man. Ooh. The title character of Curse of the Faceless Man is a crusty victim of which Italian volcano? Vesuvius. Yes. There we go. All right, we have the Doctor Who set. Ooh. Doctor Who is played by Peter Cushing in both films. All right. Was it Cushing or Lee, Christopher Lee, uh-huh. who played Sherlock Holmes in these productions? <clears throat> the Hound of the Baskervilles, 1959. Uh, Lee. Lee. Cushing. Cushing. Uh, Sherlock Holmes in the Deadly Necklace movie, 1962. Um, uh, I think that's Lee, and yes. it's got they dubbed his voice set, I believe. Uh, Sherlock Holmes TV series, nineteen sixty-eight. Oh, Cushing, oh. Cushing, yeah. The Masks of Death TV movie, nineteen eighty-four. Ooh, Lee, Cushing, Cushing. Incident at Victoria Falls TV movie, nineteen ninety-two. Hmm, uh, that have to be Lee. I yeah. Guess. yeah, yeah. All right. I don't remember so, when Cushing died, but some, you see some that one. neighborhood kid gets that. I was gonna, I was gonna say we should give that to Ziggy because she's a Hoovian. Okay. She, she's not seen the '60s movies. Probably I'm sure not. she hasn't. Right. She right, has. Yeah. So it's some some lineage yeah, here Ziggy. that she needs to. Hoovians. She's a Hoovian. Are there any of? She should check out Quiet Mass, shouldn't she? Because yeah, that's yeah, like Doctor Who's basically Quiet Mass for kids. Yeah. Quiet Mass for kids. <laughs> Or would, would she deal with Night of the Hunter? Is that Ooh. a bit much for her? No. Well, I think Night of the Hunter yeah. is one of the best movies ever. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, the, the reaction to it was just so bad that he never did another movie. I know. It's, it's just so like sad. one done. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. But hell, who's to say he would have done anything good after that? He could have been I'd like to see him try. really disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> Gog. All right, last one. Seen that there are two robots in Gog. One is named Gog. What's the name of the other one? Magog. Yes. <laughs> Gog and Magog. I had Out of the Bible. Never heard of this. No. I don't think so. Oh. Yeah, they, they did three movies in the fifties about the science investigation unit, and that was one of them. Wow. Yeah, I've seen. I think I've seen this one. It's, it's not in 3D, but it originally made in 3D. I heard they uh, were doing a, a special screening of uh, Dawn of the Dead yeah. in 3D I think this that's weekend. this weekend, yeah. Yeah. Tomorrow, I think. So 
So I don't know where it's showing. But... Uh, it's showing downtown. Oh, cool. I'm sure it's But it's out. like 18 bucks. Oh. I just were... went by it. <laughs> yeah, like I've seen it. I don't. There were some universal horror movies they were showing. Yeah, they showed Creature. Yeah, and they showed Wolfman and I think the original Frankenstein. I had to miss all of them because I was down with the COVID. Mm. Which I'm down sucked. with the COVID. I, I, was, quite, I was down with the sickness. I was quite tempted by Dawn of the Dead because it's my favorite horror movie ever. Mm-hmm. And it's the uh, I've only seen people puke in a theater twice. And that was uh, from Dawn of the one Dead. One of them was for Dawn of the Dead and the other one was for E.T. E.T.? <laughs> e. Yeah. The, wow. Um yeah, we went to see that, and, and there was a kid, like, a couple of rows in front of us. And when um, when the boy runs out of the garden shed and he steps in a pizza and it makes a squishing sound, this kid <laughs> just lost his lunch. That's so funny. Uh, I was in a doctor's office once waiting, and uh, there was a mom and her two kids. And uh, her daughter was probably about five or six and she, they had a TV on the wall, and and the mom goes, "Look, look, honey, they're showing ET." And she, the little girl goes, oh, "I don't like ET. He's monstrous." <laughs> monstrous. <laughs> like, where did she pick that up? Even mom seemed like, "Where did you get that?" <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen those photos of what's left of the ET? Ooh, I've seen oh, the, the I've seen the yo the Yoda one. It's <laughs> oh. scary. Is it worse than a Furby on fire? I don't know about that, but it's pretty bad because it's yeah. all rotted away. It's got metal just, skeletons. Just the eyes. <laughs> and there's no way to really preserve that stuff, apparently. Nope. No. It just, it's going to disintegrate. That's why if you're an artist, you should make everything out of that. Yeah. So you know it won't last. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, no one's going to cash in on your dead body. So uh, we each picked a subgenre to talk about. Yes. Um, so, Jolien, you uh, defined regional films pretty well earlier. Yeah. Uh, well, it's three things I like about them. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, Though those are good characteristics. Uh, they're filmed regionally, mm-hmm. outside of Hollywood. Right. Usually the count outs of California, because right. you don't really know. But I don't know if I'd go that far. Northern California is different enough. Um, they usually, as you mentioned, use local actors who will never be in anything ever again. Mm-hmm. Um, what's another one? Uh, you know, usually the budget, the budget is low. It's, uh, it's usually one person's vision, <laughs> however cracked that may be. Yeah, often yeah. use local law. Yes. Local law enforcement. Or, I mean, local L-O-R-E. In like a oh. skunk ape or oh lore yeah 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 uh that yeah um i don't know uh the reason you said you like them is pretty much why i like them you know you've got ugly local people uh speaking you know regional like the know. monster of party beach that counts as a regional doesn't it yep i think so I mean, it's set in California, but it... It's filmed in, like, Rhode Island or someplace. Yeah. (laughs) New Jersey, I don't know. But that's the kind of thing that, you know, when I think of regional, I think of those same things where you've got a bunch of unknowns and somebody who's a auteur, if you could use that word, and, yeah, a bunch of non-professionals who are acting in the roles of professional people. Mm -hmm. Whether it's camera, lighting, what have you. They're either... 
you know, have some sort of vague working knowledge of a camera, or maybe they work on the local news or mm-hmm. a cable channel or something. Uh-huh. Yeah. Kind, yeah. kind of with souls counts, doesn't it? Because it's like a local commercial yeah. set up and they yeah. just go out and make one horror movie. That's it. And that yeah. one happens to be great. Yeah. That's that's kind of the granddaddy of them all, yeah. Carnival of Souls. You could say Night of the Living Dead, but they're kind of too professional to really... Nope. People count Night of the Living Dead yeah, as, as a regional, regional film. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I would count it too because it, it's uh, it ticks enough of the boxes. I mean, some people argue Carnival of Souls shouldn't count because the director worked professionally as a director, but he wasn't a, like a motion picture director. Right. He was educational films and whatnot. I Same believe. with Romero. He was doing TV commercials yeah. and and uh, industrial films and. Mr. Rogers segments. <laughs> the same with the people or was who was about tr- to. The guy who directed Zat. Or Zot. I don't Is know. How Larry, Larry Buchanan. Uh, Don Barton. Don Barton. But he, that crew directed a bunch of like little educational films made in Florida. Uh, if you've not seen Zat from 1971, Mm-mm. seek it out. It's about a doctor who turns himself into a killer walking catfish. Okay. It has. A costume that looks kind of like Alf after the apocalypse. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. It's nothing you should do in a movie. It's done the whole movie through. You know, <laughs> there's a scene where the monster's walking down the street, and it should be, you know, it could be really spooky. You could have it lit, spooky. You know, he starts off in the back, and he comes closer. And you're like, what is it? What is it? But no, this is just a blocked-off shot of the street and the guy walking in a costume down the street. It takes probably five minutes. It keeps going and going and going. It's a great film. I love it. Uh, uh, Wisconsin seems to be home of a lot of... Oh, because of, of Bill Rebane. Bill Rebane with uh, Giant Spider Invasion and the movie I reviewed uh, last show, uh, Blood Harvest. Mm-hmm. Highly recommended. Who, who did that one? Uh, Bill Rebane did that Blood Harvest. There's also uh, Blood Beat, which we did an episode on. Yes. Um, I don't yeah. remember the director, but I really like that film. <laughs> I genuinely like that film. It's it's not good at all, but it's got all the pieces of original horror that I like. Yeah, it's it. got charm. Yeah, somebody's vision, and they took the time to put it on paper, and it's not like anything else you could find. Yes. You know, that's part of the reason I hate Rob Zombie movies, because Rob kind of bills himself as an outsider. You know, he's crazy and everything. Mm. But his movies are just wrote by the number bullshit. You know, he never puts anything in where you could go, ooh, Rob's got some sickness with his mom or, (laughs) you know... Uh, no samurai suits. No samurai suits, and nothing like that's happening in a zombie film. Uh, uh, another person I like uh, who filmed in uh, Baltimore and used a lot of locals, uh, Don Dollar. He mm. seemed to be obsessed with aliens killing hillbillies. <laughs> he did it at least three times. I've seen the same movie from him three times. Galaxy Invader. Um, Alien Factor, and I can't remember the last one, but <laughs> he's terrible. He's, uh, yeah, but he's he's very regional, and, you know, you've got people who've never acted before. Uh, 
and we'll never act again. I think you have local band playing on the radio, which is always fun. You get yes. your local bands. Yes. You know, sometimes you hear a song, and you're like, well, that was pretty good. Uh, uh-huh. Why didn't that, you know, why didn't these people go anywhere? Yeah, the plot just stops and they just watch it. Oh, that's the best. When they go to a bar and it just dies. And then you get to hear like one or two songs from a band. And then they're gone. They have nothing to do with the plot. They're just filler. A lot of filler in these. There was a song in Frozen Scream that ripped off Rock Around the Clock. Oh, no. And changed it to Jackin' in the Shack. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I don't know about that one. But that's basically, you know, I've seen quite a few. How about William Griffey. What did he uh, do? Sting of Death. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I've seen Sting of Death. What about the Jellyfish Man? Ooh, I've not seen that. It's got this, um, and the song in that one is, um, oh, what's his name? I'm forgetting his name now. Blanking on it. Um, but yeah, it's got this really excellent song in it called Do the Jellyfish. Uh, Neil Sedaka. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Okay, that's great. Yeah, uh, Horror Party Beach has a pretty awful uh, band. He also did Death Curse of Tartu. Heard of it, but yeah, I'm you've not probably seen, seen his films. Okay. Wow. But, uh, yeah, I'll lend them to you if you can't find them. But... All right. Yeah, there's a book out there that I want on regional oh. horror. It uh, came out like. 10 years ago though and because it's horror book and it's the size of a coffee table book Mm. it's now you know 60 70 bucks so i don't know if i'll find it but uh it looks good it's covers from like 1950 to 1995 or something um but uh yeah regional horror they're not usually good movies by (laughs) any stretch of the imagination uh I like Don Dollars because they're just, they're so bad and they're so awful. But I think Bloodbeat is probably my favorite right now. <laughs> Obviously, Carnival of Souls is a fantastic mm. movie. One of the few that like works on just about every, yeah. Yeah. every level there. I think Horror of Party Beach was the one that surprised me the most because when I was watching it, I don't know if it was just, it had it been cleaned up or just was well preserved, but... It looked like it was maybe new and they were doing everything they could do to make it look like it was from the era. And it actually was, which surprised me. I was like, oh, okay, I get it. They're they're doing a whole bit here. And the whole, no, it's actually from the 60s. And all those people are actually having that beach party and dancing. And, you know, they were doing some stuff with the regional filmmaking that you wouldn't get away with even in a drive-in in the sixties, like in the mid sixties, holding on shots of women's butts shaking in the, you know, beach dancing scenes, mm-hmm. holding on those shots for a little too long, <laughs> a little too close. Uh, just some of that stuff was just like, eh, you know, that doesn't, they wouldn't have gotten away with it back then, but they did. I wouldn't have, I don't think of uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis's regional, I mean, he's shooting in Florida and it's yeah. independent, but he's coming out of, nudie films you know he's got this pre-existing film yeah see that's that's kind of the the argument with carnival of souls like well they're like commercials they're not like yeah movies well nudie movies i mean yeah, maybe they're taking that as being 
kind of outside as well. Okay. Uh, not really reputable at the time, or probably still. Pretty less. <laughs> and William Griffey has the um, the shark exploitation movie. Yeah. Mako, the Jaws of Death. Yeah, you can see Ooh. the the wreck bar in that as well. Yeah, that one. That one's uh, funny because they he got it out in 1976, mm-hmm. which is right, you know, yep. at the height of the Jaws craze. It's so weird. Like people were obsessed, and, and just against all, all of Italy was obsessed with Jaws, <laughs> and they just kept making the movie over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Well, kids were afraid to go in swimming pools. Yeah, that like was there was great about literally Jaws. zero chance that a shark is going to come out of the chlorinated water and tear your leg oh, off. Oh yeah. But, you know. Yet it happened. <laughs> it would have been so great if so somehow weird. it happened. So will you will you ever expect to see a new regional horror film that's that's gonna kind of no? Uh, is it too I'm, too far from? I think that they've kind of. Uh, you would think streaming might bring something like this back, but I think it's kind of lost. It's something uh, innate in, in the regional horror films that I like from, from the eighties and seventies and eighties that now I think uh, things are shot on video. They don't feel quite as well. I think localized, I guess they seem a little more, uh, I mean, people are more connected now so it doesn't feel right. like you know you go to some little town in wisconsin that it's it's its own little isolated pocket of weirdness yeah uh now it's like you know everywhere else well you know i think it right. it, it could we're it, all fucked up in the same way now instead yeah. of individually well i think there's two things here i could i could point to about regional stuff is one Filmmaking used to be just out of reach enough to where you had to really want it. Yes. Uh, and I, and I can say, um, another, another prong of, of that kind of thing is, um, if you had a garage band and you wanted to record a demo and maybe shop it around, you had to have, a, a mixer, um, somebody who could actually do some sound engineering on some level and some other equipment that, that you had to really want that and really find it. Like if you were in a small town, you may not know anybody with a mixing board. Yeah. Uh, and I'm talking about back in the day. Now all you got to do is plug the instrument into a small box that then plugs into your computer and you've got an entire recording studio on your lap, on your uh, desktop or your laptop for that matter. So why aren't more films being made? This is exactly what Joe Bob Briggs... Why do they all look so shitty now when it's shot on video? I'm finally starting to get over that. I've sucked it up and I've decided that's the way it's going to go. just have to get over that look and and go with it, you know? Yeah. I hate it. It's so flat and awful, but... Man, I got no answers. I got no answers for that, but... Um, yeah, we should be seeing people going out into the woods in their town in the Northeast somewhere and making a witchy movie. And maybe because it's too easy now. Yeah. There's no, but go on Tubi or something. There's so many director streaming Bigfoot movies and things like that. And they're just appalling. Yeah. Most of them are no good at all. Shriek of the mutilated. There's another regional horror movie. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's, That's a great one. It's got the best title of any of them. It's got the popcorn tune. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's got a Scooby-Doo plot. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that one's fun. Yeah, some people learned everything they need to know about story writing, storytelling from heard watching Scooby-Doo. Thelma, a lesbian. Oh, what people a... People were upset. Well, we watched that. It was pretty dull. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, who next? Peppermint Patty? Who cares? Surprise us and make us... Yeah. Yeah, make us actually be outraged about it. Jolien, do you want to go next? Uh, all right, then. So uh, I, I was given uh, lesbian vampire films. So uh, I... Given. He picked it. <laughs> Quickly, Richard too. said, do ve- lesbian vampire films. And I said, ooh, yes. Yes, that. <laughs> I really like them. Um, but they all have to take place in 1971. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, I... I Deep Dive. Nice. Um, I watched a bunch of them. Rewatched a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I find most of them good. Well, uh, all right. It's like one of those subgenres. That I can't think of another subgenre where most of them I are think good. are really good. Pretty good, yeah. Wow. Okay. Twins of Evil. Yeah. Yeah. Dracula's. See, I want to. So, I'm going to prefix this. Um, there's been vampires is an umbrella term. Um, it's uh, uh, the women in it. Uh, is, they're basically uh, vampire films where the dominant character is a woman. And I don't know what to call them because they're not exactly, you can't say female vampires because there's like things like Brides of Dracula where the supporting vampires are women, mm-hmm. but they're, they're not the, the main force. Right. So I don't know what to call them because uh, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the, the so-called lesbian vampires are actually uh, bisexual or they're uh, lesbians who seduce men strategically. Mm-hmm. So in like vampire lovers, they'll, they they can, they manipulate men, they'll seduce them, but they're actually interested in the women. Mm, um, yeah. um, and the uh, context of where the, the boom comes in the early, so, you know, 1970 to 73 um, so the context of this is like a, in Britain, uh, male homosexuality was legalized in 1967. Um, formerly, you know, I think in the 16th century, it was a, it was a death sentence. Mm-hmm. And in the 19th century, uh, they brought in something that became known as the, the blackmail law, which is what Oscar Wilde fell victim mm-hmm. to, where it wasn't a death sentence, but you, you could be thrown in jail and all they needed to for proof was a letter or someone saying, oh, this person's gay. Mm. Um, lesbianism was not legal uh, ever. And the story goes that Queen Victoria didn't think such a thing was possible. Didn't think it existed. Um, so she said. So, it, <laughs> right. so that was never illegal in the UK. They um, don't exist. And don't look in that room with those right. pictures <laughs> right. I've collected. <laughs> um, people definitely knew about it because uh, Victorian porn is uh, oh, yeah. a staple. Um, if, you want, yeah, if you want to know what people actually like, um, the two sources that researchers go to, Victorian porn and Victorian uh, court records, because that's they wrote on every word uh-huh. of what people said. And it's filthy. Yeah, <laughs> there's nothing new about filthy language oh, yeah. or beha- human behavior. Nothing. No. 
I think, yeah, movies and the Hays Code and all that really warp people's thoughts of what the past was like. Yeah. You know, nobody before 1960 swore. Right. Whereas in reality, every word, uh, every other word out of a soldier's mouth in World War II was fuck. Because <laughs> why wouldn't it be? Right. Um, uh, so what, what you get is um, I, I've listened, I, I, um, I listened to a bunch of podcasts by lesbians and bisexual presenters. Um, so I'll, I'll probably post these on Facebook. Uh, there's Annie Rose Malame, who does the Girls, Guns and Jello podcast. Um, Catalinja and Sam Deegan, who did the Daughters of Darkness podcast. And the first three episodes of that are all lesbian vampires. Um, uh, books like Recreational Terror, Women and the Pleasures of Horror Film Viewing by Isabel Cristina Pinedo. And um, there's a book called uh, It Came from the Closet, Queer Reflections on Horror, which is like essays by a whole bunch of people. Um, Vampire Reviews, Carmilla, which is on YouTube uh, by Elisa Hansen, um, where she reads it and comments on it. Mm. Um, there's Our Vampires Ourselves by Nina Auerbach, which goes into historical context and um it's very interesting um what i've found is like um back in the when when the during the boom it was the, the second wave of feminism so um these films were like this is male gaze end of story and uh fair enough fair comment um yeah. it's true uh but i don't think that's the whole story and it's not why i'm fascinated by them yeah it doesn't tell the whole story um but the uh just for fyi the term male gaze was coined by men yeah uh named john berger uh in ways of seeing um and uh but i find that a lot of these uh, the women who are you know in the last 10 years who are podcasting and writing about horror films um it's it's shifted um they lesbians will say well yeah there's not just a male gaze going on um which says that uh, women are things to be looked at and uh that's a, a bad thing um a film is there to be looked at uh the men and women in the film are there to be looked at mm -hmm. that's what they're presented for um the uh, lustful gaze and desire is not a male-only activity. Right. Um, it also doesn't allow for um, gender-fluid fantasy from male and female spectators who can explore other identities in fantasy, um, which you'll get in, in books like Recreational Terror. They talk about that. Um, almost all these films are written and directed by men, um, but they don't exactly present their own gender in a favourable light. Um <laughs> You, you look at these films, and uh, if, if you looked at how the men are presented, men are pigs. Um, <laughs> it's true. Which we are. No, fine. <laughs> Fair point. Especially uh, in the early seventies, where you know we're, you know we're <laughs> mining most of this reference material yeah. from. Um, yeah, you look at the men in these films; that they're almost all horrible and all weak. Oh yeah. Um, it's hard to tell sometimes if the heroes are meant to be jerks or just standard 70s dudes. Right. <laughs> um, so, so f you know, one of the key texts is Carmilla and uh, the lead character in that is Makala, 
who works her way into a household by playing on the chivalry and sense of duty of the military patrons. You know, mm. they're always ex-army or, so, or something, and they'll they'll kind of hint that there's like uh, the mother's figure is on a spy mission. Can you take care of my daughter while I go off? Don't ask any questions because you know, hint, hint, you shouldn't. Right. And, and then the, the military guy goes, "Oh yes, 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 I understand," and then doesn't ask any questions about why there's strange wounds in the house. Yeah. Um, why people keep disappearing? Uh, the uh, so so yeah so the subgenre is taking on uh, it's been reassessed. Uh, I think these days um, it's beyond the binary of. Feminism equals chaste, gentle love. That's kind of dismissed. Um, male gaze is women as erotic objects who are ultimately punished. Fangs as phalluses. Sadism is male only. Um, there's this whole push back against dissimulation culture. Um, but the, uh, and there's also the idea of, um, like, especially uh, Annie Rose Malamé talks about this, um, uh, immortality as queer. Um, because um, the women are freed from being mothers, wives. Okay, yeah. They, they know that there's no obligation to... Traditional uh, roles. To yeah. to pass down the genetics, mm -hmm. if you're going to just live, yeah. outlive everybody. Um, and uh, You reproduce differently when you're a vampire. You bite people. Yeah. Turn a man to a vampire. Um, yeah, uh, so, so male vampires in, in traditionally noblemen who are preying on the lower ranks of society from their lonely lairs, whereas uh, female vampires are they're not in that position. They have to inveigle their way into households. Ah, yes. Um, so the, the male vampire is, is this Byronic model who feeds on women but has bonds with men as um, a kind of uh, this has definitely been claimed in. If you watch like the queer um, horror series, yeah. they, they go into this about how Polidori and Byron, you know, that <laughs> yeah, is, is a it's not exactly a subtext. <laughs> um, they weren't just friends. And then, and the female vampires, uh, instead of uh, being these like noble upper class predators. Um, they represent more transgressive uh, characters. They're powerful women in a time when women were not. Um, they're not mothers or wives. Um, their sexual orientation is is not what society expects. Um, they're dominant when they mm -hmm. shouldn't be. So yeah, I thought I found them very interesting. Yeah. Anyway, um, historical context: the two main characters. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's one historical context character, Elspeth the Tory, uh, 17th century Hungarian lady who's accused of sacrificing upwards of 300 virgins. Sometimes they say over 600. Wow. Um, but there's also a theory that she's a victim of a smear campaign by men who are after her wealth and power after her husband's death. Could be. Um, you kill one virgin and then it becomes 600. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you think... Hungary, uh, you can't kill. I mean, you can kill maybe one or two people in a local village. Yeah. There aren't just that many people. <laughs> yeah, there's not that many people. And someone would notice. <laughs> and there's these stories like um, from, the, from the time where they, they arrive at her castle to, to 
Punisher and and the ground is just soggy with all the corpses. <laughs> sure. Uh, and then she gets walled up um, alive, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, so she, she kind of gets mixed into the blend. And there's, there's movies that are directly about her, like Countess Dracula from 1971. Uh, Legend of Blood Castle from 1973. Um, they're both good movies. Um, Legend of Blood Castle... I would avoid if you uh, if you can't stand animals being hurt for real because that happens mm. in that movie. It's a, what are the animals? Maybe there are animals I don't like. Uh, there's a bat. Oh, I like bats. Yeah, it's it's really horrendous. Oh. Squirrels kill them all. Yeah, I like the squirrels <laughs> too, but I don't know. And then the other bit of historical context is um, so uh, uh, Britain is the top of the world circa 1868. Um, and the empire exists to bring Christian morality to the lesser nations. Um, and the rise of Victorianism at home, as Britain had to be the pinnacle of morality. So mm-hmm. that's what you mentioned with the Hayes Code. Um, because um, there was a fear of foreigners' immorality going on underneath that. Yeah. Uh, hints of foreignness. So you get that in Carmilla. It's all over Dracula. I was going to say Dracula. That's all it's about. Yeah, and Carmilla, when she shows up at the house, there's a they see a quote hideous black woman, oof, with a colourful turban in the carriage. Uh, and Laura's family is English, but living in Austria. But it's, oh, it definitely that's no em- good. it emphasises that they're English. Oh, okay. They yeah. still speak English. Good. And then Carmilla's hinted to be from further east, so she might be Polish. She says a couple of things that might be Polish. Okay. Uh, which kind of fits in because Ingrid Pitt was Polish. Uh, mm. Then the literary context, um, there's uh, various stories about uh, female vampires came along before Carmilla. Um, so there's L'Amour Amoureuse by Théophile Gautier from 1836, which is about a priest who falls for a female vampire named Claremond. Um, and that has the idea of decadent nobility, ecstatic bloodletting, uh, the chaste holy man versus the unholy sexy woman. You know, these will, these will turn up again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a female vampire named Claremont who turns up in The Vampire Happening and The Hunger TV series. And then you get Carmilla. So this is an 1872 novella by Sheridan Le Fanu, another Irishman like Bram Stoker. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a Huguenot Irish, so hence the French name. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. Um, so this is included in uh, the Dark Blue magazine, 1871, and then it, it was put together, put in this uh, collection of stories called In a Glass Darkly in 1872, which is 25 years before Dracula. Huh. Um, so this is the first lesbian vampire as opposed to just female vampire. And um, uh, so there have been like male vampires like the vampire and Varney the vampire and so on, but uh, this is the first lesbian vampire. Um, but she's the last female vampire in a leading role for quite some time. Um, she's also the first vampire to use an anagram pseudonym. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Because her name is Makala, but she uses Carmilla, Malaka, and Marcilla. Uh, she's the first vampire to have a retinue. So she travels with like these soldiers and other women. And you're not, you're not sure what they are. Yeah. Um, she's the first vampire to have a repeating plan. You know, she's done this before, how she gets into a household oh, she, she doesn't just uh, rock up and invade somewhere she's got a plan right um she shape shifts although in her case it's a cat um and she 
can become incorporeal, which was fairly common for vampires in the 19th century because there was there's not no dividing line between them and phantoms. Yeah. So they could turn into a mist and drift in and yeah. do what they will. So she she often she she'll go she'll leave a locked room and go elsewhere to do her hunting. Um, and and it was influenced by um, there's this Samuel Taylor Coleridge poem called Christabel, um, which was never finished, but it, um, he started writing it in 1797, and that's about Christabel who's seduced by Geraldine who is apparently in distress, has trouble crossing a threshold and causes Christabel to grow weaker. So that, that, that all reoccurs in Carmilla. Um, Christabel and Laura from Carmilla both have dead mothers and weak fathers. Um, and fans of Carmilla included Percy Shelley... Uh, I mean, fans of Christabel included Percy Shelley and Lord Byron, mm-hmm. who are on that trip with Mary. Yeah. Um, Lake Geneva, wasn't it? Uh-huh. Uh, Emily Pankhurst really liked the poem. Um, she's the suffragette and who named her daughter Christabel. Um, there's a lesbian writer named René Vivien. Um, Edgar Allan Poe really liked it. Um, there was also uh, Carl von Waxman's De Fremd from 1844, uh, which is more similar to Dracula than Carmilla. Um, there's The Pale Lady by Alexandra Dumas in 1848. And she's from the Carpathians. Oh. And, uh, and, and of course, it had a big influence on Bram Stoker, who was a theatre critic for Le Fano's newspaper. Oh, okay, yeah, he was. And uh, an early draft of Dracula is set in Styria, Austria. So Styria is the location of Camilla, de Friend, oh, okay. and early drafts of Dracula. So, yeah, um, anyway, favourite lesbian vampire films uh, I've got a clear top three and then it gets a little I'm not sure what to pick um, I'd go uh, Daughters of Darkness tell us what year on each of these two if you can, if, uh, you, if you have it <laughs> you can guess 1971 yeah okay go ahead Daughters of Darkness 28th May 1971 aka Le Rouge Um director Harry Kumel Delphine Serig as Countess Elizabeth Thorey uh, Daniel Ume uh, Andrea Rao um, it's just gorgeous. It's got everything, you know. Mm-hmm. Have you seen this one? Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just gorgeous. Um, and then uh, let's see, uh, vamp- the Vampire Lovers, nineteen seventy-one. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, so, seriously, this is the year. Yeah. Well, this is nineteen seventy, actually. Uh, uh, so the Karnstein trilogy, as it's called, from Hammer. Um, so in 1970, the British ex certificate had been uh, raised from 16 to 18. Oh, okay. So now in an ex movie, you could go stronger. Oh, okay. And in the US, the Hayes Code had been abolished and it had been changed to the age ratings. So mm-hmm. in America, you could go stronger with stuff as well. Yeah. So then you get this boom. Yes, the Motion Picture Association ratings. Right. Yeah. So I think, I think uh, we're, because these all fall into the early 70s, because I think. Um, they could get away with more nudity and blood uh, in the same movie. And then a few years down the line, uh, porn becomes mainstream. And people are like, oh, why, why do we have to mess about with plots and stuff? We yeah. can just watch yeah. nudity. Or the, you know, um, we're, we're looking at you, Glenn Danzig. <laughs> <laughs> 
so so anyway um yeah vampire lovers you know uh and up to uh ingrid pitt as carmela Karnstein, pippa Steele, madeline smith peter cushing kate amara uh john forbes robertson plays the man in black a couple of years before he played dracula in the legend of the golden vampires legend of the seven golden vampires um there's a man in black who appears in the Carmilla novella, but he appears towards the end at this masked ball. Mm-hmm. Um, Ingrid Pitt sends herself up as Carla in The House That Drip Blood from 1971. Oh, okay. Three for three so far. So uh, this was followed by Lust for a Vampire from 1971. Mm, okay. Directed by Jimmy Sangster. Uh, Jutta Stensgaard as Carmilla Karnstein. Um, honestly, I think the stills are better than the film. Mm. There's that still with Some, her covered in blood. Sometimes, you know. Yeah. Um, the stars and director were replaced during production. This was like really messy production. This, yeah. um, lots of things went wrong. Um, although it might be the earliest film featuring. Uh, oh no, it's not. Um, yeah, what am I saying? Uh, the earliest film featuring lesbian love in a girls' school, like in Lust for a Vampire, was this movie from 1931 called Imagine in Uniform, which is this really good. It's, it's directed by a woman named uh, Leontine Sagan. It's this German, uh, or is it Danish? But, but anyway, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's like just as the Nazis were coming in, mm. and it's got a kind of hints of what's going to come. Uh, but it's this uh, really, good, really good movie, uh, Imagine in Uniform. Uh, and then, anyway, the third move in the Karnstein trilogy was Twins of Evil from 1971. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Directed by John Hughes, it's got Peter Cushing again, Mary Madeline Collinson, uh, Katya Wyeth as Countess McCullough Karnstein. And she turns up in one scene to put the bite on the current Count Karnstein, and uh, she also fondles a candle. Uh <laughs> Then uh, before she's resurrected, another vampire is killing local people, but we never find out who that is. It's weird. Uh, yeah. yeah, Emily pointed this out. So like, what, who's the vampire who's killing people at the start before she gets resurrected? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe that was lost in the edit. Yeah. So this is more of a witch hunter movie. There's no lesbian vampires. There's a, there's a scene where um, uh, she's about to put the bite on this captured wench. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, uh, the wench is kind of up for it, and uh, but then the the vampire woman like, lunges at her breast and it cuts, and mm. so you, it looks more like she's just going to kill her. It, yeah, it's not a a love lunge. <laughs> love lunge. <laughs> um, and then uh, 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 I think the f- earliest versions of lesbian vampires uh, there was this 1915 series by Louis Foulard called uh, Le Vampire, which is about a gang of criminals who call themselves the vampires. They're not actually vampires. But in episode two, uh, one of them, uh, Martha, performs a ballet dressed as a vampire bat and she seduces a bride. But the the first uh, film that used Carla was Vampire, 1932. Mm-hmm. Um, it's directed by Carl Theodore Dreyer. And he'd just done uh, The Passion of Joan of Arc, and he oh, took. Oh, that's a fantastic yeah. film. Yeah, uh, but it had been a financial failure, and he was looking to direct a thriller that would make money. But then, from a series of his artistic decisions, it it became not a thriller at all. It was this weird 
very dreamy uh, story, and it's, it's based on Sheridan Lafanu's uh, story collection in a glass darkly, which includes Carmilla. So it's got bits of it. Yeah. No lesbianism at all. It's got this. She Carmilla is this elderly woman, and um, so she you see her a couple of times. There's like this a scene where it's like based on um, Fuseli's nightmare. Mm. Where she's leaning over someone, but that's as close as it goes. Mm. Um, so, the, the first actual lesbian vampire film is Dracula's Daughter from 1936 with Gloria Holden. And uh, there's there's that scene where she's seducing um, Nan Gray as Lily the model. Um, you get a wax cameo by Bella Lugosi. Um, Edward Van Sloan as Van Helsing. Uh, claimed to be based on Stoker's Dracula's guest, but it's more like Carmilla. Um, but the publicity definitely played up the Countess's threat to women. Um, and this is, uh, you know, this is back when um, homosexuality was seen as a psychological affliction that could be cured. So there's that, mm. you know, she's trying to be cured of her lusts. Um, and this con- oh, continues to this day, unfortunately. But, yeah. Um, but that, anyway, that's another favourite. Um and then uh, Blood and Roses from 1960, uh, Roger Vadim <coughs> with Annette Stroberg and Mel Ferrer. Um, this is Carmilla version 2, remade 2009. The US trailer uses a cue that you hear in Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> uh, also, the US trailers for, the, for Blood and Roses and Vampire Lovers mention unspeakable horror, which is something you hear in a lot of homophobic lexicon. It's code. Yeah. Um, there's ambiguity about a woman's orientation and vampirism which is linked to a psychological disorder again Um, it's got a scene in it where there's this dream sequence where uh, she she sees this child floating outside the window bedroom window oh very Salem's Salem's Lot Lot, slash Friday the 13th part (laughs) 8 right Um, I also really like Castle Blood from 1964 aka Danza Macabre where um, a guy makes a bet with Edgar Allan Poe to spend the night in this castle. Uh, this is an Italian movie directed by Sergio Cobucci. Uh, uh, but then he had to bow out, and he was replaced by um, Antonio Margariti. I think one of the murder scenes is directed by Cobucci, and that's all that's left. Um, the first 25 minutes are really great looking, but not that interesting. And then Barbara Steele turns up. Oh, Fixes everything. Yeah, yeah. And she plays Elizabeth Blackwood, and she uh, she appears to this journalist who's spending the Halloween night in a castle. And as usual in these things, he's arrogant, he's self confident, but he's absolutely helpless and passive in the face of the supernatural. Um, one of the blood sucking ghosts is uh, Julia Alert, who's played by uh, Marguerite Robsam, who jumps into bed with Elizabeth, much to her disgust slash desire. Hmm. Um, the French cut is the one to watch because that retains all the topless scenes and the lesbian love and uh, probably some of Elizabeth's close-ups when she's with her lover in a barn. Oh. Because uh, he, uh, he's not kissing her on the lips. Mm. Um, it's not explicit, but... It's implied heavily. Yeah. Okay. She's making certain expressions. Oh. It's, it goes pretty far for 1964, but all that stuff was cut from the Italian version. Wow. Great morbid gothic atmosphere and a surprising ending. Um, so it was Catholic sensibilities that 
yeah that did away with that yeah you couldn't they pushed it and they couldn't do that in italy in mm. 1964 right um anyway, I'll, I'll skip some uh, several other carmilla versions you've got the genre line films in the the you know starting the late 60s and the 70s um <clears throat> but uh, the, uh another favorite is um uh, the hunger 1983 yeah yeah um beautiful movie um uh you know it's really sad um you know it's directed by tony scott stars catherine Deneuve, david bowie susan sarandon um there's yeah. not, not much hope in the movie it is, it's just tragic very sad terrible fates for some of those yeah. characters uh again it's a bisexual vampire um right. But uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, I love that one. Um, yeah, I can't think of any. And you've got uh, several uh, versions of Carmilla after it, and uh, and it's not. I, I like that. Um, there's been several recent uh, vampire movies directed by women, uh, like The Moth Diaries and uh, uh, Blood of the Tribadis and uh, the 2019 version of Carmilla and this whole web series of Carmilla. Um, so there's, but I find most of the representation of LGBTQ plus vampires are on TV and web series um, rather than theatrical movies. Right. And, and I just don't watch those. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, and, and there's been loads of the, these, these films and, uh, yeah, I, I find them more... You know, they tend to be more interesting than not. Um, there's a really cool, like, uh, I don't know if it's a favorite. There's one called Limora from 1973. This is kind of regional, uh, directed by Richard Blackburn. And it's got Cheryl Smith as uh, Lila Lee and uh, Leslie Gilb as Limora. And this is a really dreamy blend of uh, Shadow Over Innsmouth and Dracula. Um, there's someone who uh, she she's this um, she plays this like thirteen fourteen year old girl who escaped. She, she's in like nineteen thirties South, and she's got a gangster father, and she gets a message from him to go and meet him. So she gets away from the priest who's looking after her, and he's not all that innocent. Mm. Hmm. But anyway, she gets away from him. And she takes this bus ride, and once she gets in the bus, it gets really weird, and it's like shadows are in, in Smith. You know, there's all these people who look really off. <laughs> there's creatures in the woods mm. uh, yeah and she gets she ends up at this house there where there's this older woman named Lamora who's obviously got designs she's got her own pack of children um it's got lovely use of color and sound as uh, dark fairy tower ambience like night of the hunter uh yeah so uh i check that one out as well i hope her good edition of that one comes out yeah anyway i'll, I'll leave it there that's some great coverage. I'm glad you did that. Um, <laughs> the listeners really will benefit well to, you know, if if they weren't taking notes already to just skip back, listen again, take some notes. Uh, I'm going to talk about werewolf movies. Mm -hmm. uh, not, not to that um, level of detail, but when I think about werewolf movies and why this works for me as a, a subgenre of horror is that you have, um, and I, I think this is this has been said better by other people, but essentially, if man were to transform into his worst vices or his worst tendencies, 
and let them manifest physically, then the werewolf is a great example of how that might look. And how it works best for me is when the transformation is more complete as far as appearance, but you maintain the, the physicality of a human man or woman. Uh, so not full on wolf. I don't, yeah, that, the, the transformation, for example, in an American werewolf in London is really cool and great. And if he had stopped halfway and didn't become that almost bear looking wolf that runs through Piccadilly Circus or, you know, the London Underground or whatever, yeah. uh, I think the movie would have worked better for me. Um, not to say it doesn't work. It works great. I love that movie. It is one of my, you know, easily in my top three, top five. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I look at how like Jack Pierce was limited when uh, the like one of the earliest werewolf movies is Werewolf of London, 1935. And they were like, well, if Jack Pierce is going to be doing this makeup, we're going to rein him in a little bit. We need to still see the actor's face, right? Yeah. So... Um, it was Henry Hull. Yeah. Yeah. So Henry Hull, we need to see this handsome actor's face show through the makeup. The makeup still almost gets there, but there's still a little too much human element. I don't want to see someone with just hair around the perimeter and maybe a (laughs) nubby nose and some ears. I want to see like some fangs. I want to see some bit of a snout at least. Uh, so when Jack Pierce is allowed in 1941 to go nuts with Lon Chaney Jr.'s makeup, for the Wolfman, the only thing about it that doesn't work by today's standards is the transformation looks too peaceful. It's that lap lap dissolve right. that they had to do, apply all the, you know, colloidal and cotton and. If Lon Chaney Sr. had been alive, he would have been able to do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, I guess the point, the point I really want to make here is, uh, in werewolf movies, I want. I want an actual, you know, wolf man. Mm. He's, he's kind of halfway between man and halfway between <laughs> and wolf. Uh, so some favorites, and I'll talk about them just kind of briefly. And some I've looked into a little more detail recently. Um, I like, as I mentioned, American Werewolf in London, because it really does, you know, storytelling wise, you couldn't ask for more. You have a love story. You have a, uh, sort of a betrayal or a abandonment of a friend who comes back to kind of let you know about it yes. <laughs> in varying degrees of decay. This, this has some stuff going on in the, in the story that you don't get from a lot of other werewolf movies. Uh, and you do get some, a wolf terrorizing the public at large. If you want to deny that werewolves exist and you want to just say it's a wolf on the loose that's where this movie would have worked a little different. If you would have said there was a creature that looked like a man and looked like a wolf both, but this was just like, Oh, a wild animal got loose. So that's the one part that I think might've worked a little better. John yeah, Landis. I, would, I wish he'd been kept off screen. Yeah. Either don't show wolf. us or have him somewhat bipedal. Cause that, that scene in the tube where it's just like, you hear the, the noises and it's like, you get a bit of shadow and stuff. Yeah. And he's chasing that man. It's really great. Before you see the face at all. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of bipedal werewolves that really do work dog soldiers mm. and this, um, Neil Marshall directed this one. Um, and you can look at some of his other work. It's like, well, he was, this was his first feature and he knocked it out of the park in my opinion. Um, probably with a lot of good help. But uh, this is one, of course, if listeners aren't aware, 
Um, they recently did discover the source material for the, the, the either the the work negative or a, a first print, and they were able to do a full restoration, which is lovely and looks beautiful. Um, this one, uh, the reason it works is because there is some mystery to the story, like what happened here? Oh no, there's, there was a slaughter. Uh, these guys are out on maneuvers doing some war games in Scotland. And then finally, you know, figure out what they need to do is take shelter. So they have no live ammo. They gather up some live ammo from these slaughtered soldiers. These soldiers on maneuvers end up in a cabin in the woods (laughs) with some people who they're not really sure about, Mm -hmm. but start to get to know a little bit. And then they're not sure about them once again. That's as much spoiler as I want to give you on this one, uh, except to say that you will get bipedal werewolves and they look really good. Like this is the big barrier to entry in becoming a werewolf movie maker is you need to have a werewolf that looks really good or have the restraint to not show it very much or hardly at all. Uh, Transformation scenes can happen like, and I can't tell you which movie it is, but there are footsteps that then change into wolf footsteps or footprints, I should say in like a parking garage in a movie, like they go through a puddle or a series of puddles Mm -hmm. or some pools of blood or something. I can't tell you what movie that was, but you can just show that track along and go, Oh no. And then all of a sudden it's somewhere in the shadows. I believe that was Pee Wee's big adventure. I think think (laughs) it's like, he's looking for the basement. (laughs) There's no basement at the Alamo. But there is a werewolf. Yes. The wolfman really works for me. He's bipedal, and there's an almost complete transformation of the face. It's the plaid shirt, really. Yeah, the, the, the gray Dickies-looking shirt. Yeah, just like uh, Frankenstein wearing a sports coat. Yeah. You know, he looks a little classier than the average monster. Yeah, he's not running around nude. No. Um, Curse of the Werewolf. That's, mm. that's one that, you know, I wish the movie was more interesting up to the point where we see the werewolf. Uh, it, as a kid, it really bored me. But once you got to the werewolf, he's got that torn shirt. Um, Oliver Reed probably was half in the bag the whole time he was recording <laughs> or filming. Yeah, I wish they could do a Wolf of Paris as a miniseries or something, do a more faithful adaptation. Yeah. That's an epic story. Yeah, and this this one, it's like, you know, it, it's got something. it's got something for the kids when you finally do get to the transformation. Yeah, great, but, great looking. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's what really works. Um, obviously, um, a lot of effort in the days of practical effects, you know, the howling wolf and, um, these movies. But what I want to also talk about kind of briefly is, um, uh, the Paul Nashie films. And we're talking like early seventies. Once again, they put a lot of effort into these movies. Now, I don't know if the skills and the budget weren't necessarily there, but once you've got him made up as a werewolf, Paul Nashie does some great acting. Yeah. He will do all all the, you know, snarling and spinning around and tumbling and diving. You know, he'll do it all. Yeah, he's a stunt guy. He's yeah. Wrestler. He's a very physical guy. Uh, for those reasons, I really enjoyed watching his films. The, you know, the, the scripts aren't, you know, top shelf. The camera work is adequate, but not stunning. Um, but I did watch, um, oh, let's see. It was called the werewolf versus the vampire woman, also known as five other things. Uh, 
this this is 1970s Spanish German effort, uh, and you have um, probably better source stuff that could be restored than what I saw on Tubi or whatever. But I'm gonna say watch these movies and um, this one and another one I watched was uh, let's see the werewolf and the yeti, also known as Night of the Howling Beast, Hall of the Mountain King. Um, Curse of the Beast, like I said, several names. This one tries to be a sexy horror movie. You've got some women who, I'm assuming some of this stuff might have gotten edited out, but uh, inexplicably costumed and made up very well for being in caves in, uh, oh, where are they supposed to be? Uh, the Himalayas, I assume? Yeah, I think it's... Two of the women are supposed to be archaeologists, aren't they? Yes, uh, they're supposed to be in Tibet, according to this. So yeah, they're in, you know, they're in the Himalayas. They're, um, uh, let's see, uh, the main character gets separated from his party and is captured by two cannibal werewolf women in an ice cave who bite him and he becomes a werewolf. So later he will, this is a spoiler, he will do battle with a Yeti. Yeah. A lot of day for night shooting and, uh, Again, you watch his performance and these are, these are a lot of fun. You're not going to feel, and this was from 75. Uh, they released it in 75 in Spain and then in 1977 in the U S right around 90 minutes, very colorful, uh, some efforts to, uh, you know, give you some eye candy and, uh, some of it ends up edited out, I'm sure, like I said, but, uh, what, werewolf movies as a subgenre really suffer from is either people wanting to make the efforts or having the ability to make the efforts to give you what you need. And I think that's, uh, where I would leave it and say, I hope more people going forward are going to do something like dog soldiers or, you know, get the physical actors, you know, Lon Chaney Jr., Paul Nashi, and any number of other people who can just do that kind of thing. So your favorites are American Wolf, The Wolfman, um, Dog Soldiers, Dog Soldiers, soldiers the, the, Lichen the, Colony. I, I would say, and a Werewolf in a Girl's Dormitory. <laughs> yes, those. <laughs> um, and I got, and I honestly need to rewatch Wolfen and the Howling. It's Ooh, been, Howling too. That's on the list. I'm <laughs> yes, sure. Um, your sister is a werewolf. Uh huh. Oh she yes. Is. And a bitch too. But. <laughs> See. Uh, Anyway, uh, yeah, those. So, are are there any you feel like I might be missing out on or yes. forgot to Werewolf mention? Werewolf in a girl's dormitory. <laughs> Check it out if you can get through it. Werewolves on wheels. <laughs> I want to see that one. Mm. Yeah, that's that, you know we keep well, I keep saying it. Um, Rob Zombie remake it. Werewolf Your next on project wheels. should be remake of Werewolves and Wheels that actually delivers, mm-hmm. not just sneaks them in at the end. Right. And uh, maybe combine it with Race with the Devil, but we want a proper version of Werewolves and Wheels. Mm-hmm. You know, you could do a, a documentary about werewolf movies and show some of the best scenes, and that would be a great werewolf movie because you could just get the best parts mm. of Curse of the Werewolf where you actually see the werewolf. You know, you don't have all that dry stuff that, you know, that might be my baggage. <laughs> but the, the third part of that uh, queer of... Queer for fear 
other thing is about like it's got a lot about werewolves and cat people. Oh yeah, because um, you know it's like containing this beast inside and right. Um, you know, um, and and it's also um, there's a good documentary on the American Werewolf Disc where it talks about how uh, the the Wolfman, which established a lot of the law. Right, L O R E, Werewolf movies in nine forty one is uh you know is obviously a Jewish story. Mm-hmm. You know he's got the star, right? That identifies him. You know he's got to remain hidden, blend in with society, otherwise mm-hmm. he'll be destroyed. And it, yeah, there's so much in in it, and it, and then that gets repeated in American Werewolf. You can see this Jewish experience reflected in what the characters go through. Oh yeah, and it and it's. It's, it's actually outright said by the uh, nurses in the hospital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They they took a peek to see if uh, <laughs> if it was evident. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think this is something where we, uh, you know, we can't give up on it. There's something good ahead of us somewhere somehow, and I, I don't know who's going to be in charge of it. Maybe Jordan Peele. Mm. I was going to say Robert Eggers would make a great werewolf movie. He really would. And if he doesn't rely on everything to be CGI, uh, you know, maybe a good blend of of CG and practical. Claymation. (laughs) Right. Done Uh, by high schoolers. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So this is uh, probably a good place for me to leave it is just to say that I, maybe I'm too much of an optimist, but I remain hopeful that we still have some good ones ahead of us. But it's been a while. Mm-hmm. It really has. So uh, filmmakers are just going to, you know, continue making things that are easier to make, I guess. But somebody's going to want to make the effort. I mean, Robert Eggers is a great example. Yeah. Somebody who doesn't shy away from making big effort and hard work, you know, putting in the hard work. So... Uh, yeah, Will, you you named some gems there. I think uh, you better check them out. Yeah, listeners should look into those as well. <laughs> the the bad ones outweigh the good ones. Uh-huh. I, I think is one uh-huh. other note before saying. There's one with uh, Joe Estevez called Werewolf from I think the early '90s. Mm. Check that one out. It's good. It's got a werewolf that looks more like a bat. Oh, wow. Well, actually, it looks more like a rubber mask that's kind of shaky. Oh, the one where they're just shaking it on the end of a stick. I did I, see that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, think we talked are. about that. Yeah. that's. It was a wow. mask on a stick, for sure. They just stuck it into the frame. There's a guy with, he turns into a werewolf while driving, and they just stick some fur on him. He's like, ah, oh, and then his car, <laughs> he goes off the road and blows up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need more than that. I think I've only seen one good werewolf movie ever. <laughs> that was American Werewolf in London. Oh, well, there's a... No, I like dog soldiers, yeah, too. Yeah, I was going to say, there's at least one other one I could add to that. Yeah, a lot of people don't, you know, agree with Wolfman being a good werewolf movie, but... That's pretty good. Yeah. It's the founding text. Yeah, it really is. This This is the forerunner. So... Anything else before we call it a show and wish everyone a happy Halloween? Um, go watch Barbarian. Definitely watch Barbarian. We will be covering it. 
and men. Men. We'll Go be, watch men. Yeah, we'll be watching and covering those two movies. Which was my favorite of the year until Barbarian. <laughs> Man. All right. Well, I've got a whole bunch of candy ready because last year we got a lot more trick-or-treaters than I would have guessed. And uh, Will, I guess you'll find out in your new neighborhood. Yeah. There's a couple of kids who live next door, but... They'll probably come and beat on your door and see if you Maybe. got anything. I think the older one's probably out of trick-or-treating. Yeah. It's probably just a little too old for it. Yeah, they might shake you down anyway. You never know. Yeah. Might want to buy a bag. Getting loose cigarettes and <laughs> dirty comic books. Yeah. That's all I hand out. <laughs> Communist manifestos. <laughs> little red book. Little red book for you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, Jolene, anything you want to add before we call it a show? Nope. Happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween. Happy Christmas. Listeners, thank you for listening.